0: church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring uplifting and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and I am delighted that you're listening to this podcast today. It's certainly been an interesting week in terms of, uh, uh, what's going on, not only in the world, but right here in our backyard here in the, in the United States, things that, uh, that get our attention. Uh, when I was a child, I lived in what I would describe as a lower middle-class neighborhood. The uh, The men who uh, lived in that neighborhood were factory workers, the blue-collar workers, and <clears throat> basically all the houses were uh, woodside houses uh, with wood uh, sheathing and uh, sometimes some uh, synthetic uh, siding. Uh, if somebody wanted to spend some money on their house, they put an aluminum siding on the side of their house. So the point I'm making is there were no brick homes anywhere in our neighborhood. And while I was growing up as a small as a small child, I gradually reached the uh, impression that if you lived in a brick home somewhere, you were rich. You were rich. That was my criteria. If you lived in a brick home, you were rich. And I kind of wondered, uh, as I watched some news this week, I don't know if you paid attention, but there is a trial going on right there in the Atlanta area, Fulton County. And uh, as a part of the trial proceedings, the district attorney and her lover were put on the stand and under testimony it came out that uh that uh, this district attorney had entered into an illicit sexual romantic relationship uh with an attorney who she later hired to be a prosecutor paying him $600,000 uh paying him $600,000 to Uh, come on her staff as a prosecutor in a case where it appears he had no special qualifications. And then subsequently, they began to take uh, uh, lavish trips all around the world and uh, all across the United States. And so the question in the trial was, where does money come from? It appears it came from taxpayers. And uh, there's no... Uh, any kind of paper trail anywhere that the money was repaid in any way. And I couldn't help but wonder what in the world are people around the world in the United States thinking when they view people who are being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars and involved in illicit relationships? And, uh, and, and what is the impression being made about? Rich people, arrogance and uh, downfall and uh, it, it's just so uh, it's just so upsetting I think to a lot of us who are watching uh, this unfold. I recently uh had a heard a man who would be considered rich by most worldly standards ask the question and he said if the bible teaches us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, then why does Matthew nineteen twenty four teach it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God? So question is, is it impossible for a rich man to go to heaven? The answer is an emphatic, no, it's not impossible. Is it difficult? Very, very difficult. Jesus, when he spoke these words that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, it was just after he'd been approached by a rich young man who asked what he must do to enter the uh, gates of heaven. Now, it became clear right there in the scripture that this young overachiever, uh, he wanted to find some task or discipline that he could accomplish and perhaps add to his list of achievements to get himself into heaven. And Jesus told the young man, well, uh, you must keep the commandments. And when the young man asked which ones, Jesus replied, you I shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. You must honor your father and mother, mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have to just say that watching this Fanny Willis testimony yesterday, it just appeared that she's a person who has fallen down on all of these kinds of commandments. But this young man in the scripture replied to Jesus he said, I've done all of these, and uh, I would want to, I want to know what more should I do? Well, Jesus, in his omniscient uh, nature, looked into the man's heart, and uh, he determined what his true motives were. And he exposed his motives by telling him that he must sell everything. He'll sell everything he owns and give the money to the poor, and then come and follow him, Jesus. And the man went away sad, grieved, sad and grieved because his wealth was too important for him to give up. He had made a choice. And then over in the parable of the hidden treasure, uh, Jesus likens the kingdom of heaven to a treasure hidden hidden in a field, and that when the man found it, he saw all that he had, all that he owned, so that he could buy the field where the treasure uh, was found. In other words, to truly believe and follow Jesus is worth everything, if it's worth nothing at all. It's worth everything. Now, it's interesting to note that Jesus did not mention the first and second commandments and the summary command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus didn't mention that to the rich young man. Now, Jesus is not calling us to sort of just generally follow the principles of his commandments and make some offerings to his church. No, he's calling us to follow him. Follow him. There's a big difference. And, uh, uh, you know, he's not really was saying that, well, you have to sell all your possessions to get salvation. No, Jesus is not saying that at all. The rich man in the scriptures left because he had made a choice. He had made a choice. And uh, the, the choice between Jesus and money, in his case, money was the winner. And it seems that that's the problem today that money is most often the winner. You know it's clear that the young man was grieving, he understood uh, the choice that he made, and that's probably why he was grieving. And then over in uh, Matthew 6:21 Jesus tells us, "For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And then over in Matthew 6, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's not possible. Now, Scripture teaches that uh, much to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, the great Bible teacher, Matthew Henry, says it this way. Rich people have a great account to make up for the opportunities uh, above others. The opportunities in heaven goes on to say it's utterly impossible for a man that sets his heart upon riches to get to heaven. Did you hear that? Matthew Henry, the great Bible scholar, says it's utterly impossible, utterly impossible For a man who sets his heart upon riches to get to heaven, nothing less than the almighty grace of God will enable a rich man to get over this difficulty. Now, another Bible commentator uh, put it this way by uh, listing these characteristics of uh, a rich person. Rich people capture the affection of others. Rich people fall into the trap of thinking they'd gain all of their wealth through their own undertakings and in debt. And the rich become proud of their wealth and unwilling to be thought of as one of those uh, poor, despised followers of Jesus. And we all know this riches take up time and energy and fill the mind with worry and anxiety. And frankly, Leave little room for God. And riches often produce luxury and vice. And it becomes difficult to obtain wealth without sin, without avarice, without covetous fraud and oppression. We might have seen all of that being uncovered in the Fanny Willis testimony in Atlanta. Now, it's not impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's very difficult. Entry is uh, impossible for those who, like the young rich man, consider their riches more important than God. And you know, I've had some disappointing experiences interacting with some very wealthy people in this country. Um, I remember asking a very wealthy man about uh, some of the poor. That lived in his community who didn't have access to health care. He was a very, very wealthy man. I remember him looking at me right in the eye and saying, Well, I can tell you what, it's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility to have any of my resources go toward helping the poor and afflicted. So it's not shocking to me. I've encountered it in my own personal uh, ministries and all own personal. Interactions with some very very uh wealthy people, you know riches do not necessarily exclude a person from heaven but uh and it's not impossible for the rich to be saved without giving up their fortunes. you know who uh who have great wealth, you know in the case of Moses Zachius and joseph of of uh, Arimathea. These were devoted disciples, and they were also very wealthy men. And I'm not telling you it's not difficult. You've heard me say it several times now. I think we all recognize that the pursuit of wealth often distracts and becomes more important than walking with God. And the scripture clearly teaches that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not the money. But the love of money is the root of all evil. So who are the rich that are being discussed in uh, Matthew 24? You know, the Bible consistently chides the rich who gain their wealth by unjust means, who become rich by uh, dishonest means and uh, oppression, extortion, stealing, unethical practices. Um. Uh, and the Bible is very clear about those kinds of things. But, you know, even one who becomes wealthy and rich by honest means is still in danger of missing the point that to be saved, they must be committed to following Jesus. Now, it's kind of interesting to just think about this whole subject of who's rich. You know, if you ask Americans who's rich, the majority of Americans uh, in surveys will say, well, it's people who are worth more than a million dollars. That's the perception. If you're worth more than a million dollars, you're a rich person in America. And let's try to bring a little bit of definition to this, uh, who is rich, you know. Americans profoundly underestimate how rich they are compared to the rest of the world, in a sublet in a in a survey published by the washington post u s residents estimated that the global median individual income is about twenty thousand dollars a year. But the real answer is the global median income is about a tenth of that, only about twenty one hundred dollars a year and then in these surveys, Americans typically will uh, place themselves in the top 37% of the world's income distribution. But the truth is the mass majority of Americans write comfortably in the top 10% of the world's income distribution. In the U.S., $93,000 is enough to make you richer than 90% of the people in the world. $93,000 Ninety three thousand dollars in net worth. You know, we're talking about the value of your home and furnishings and appliances, boats, motorcycles, bank accounts, all this minus the debt, uh tells us what your net worth is. You know, that would mean that uh more than a hundred and two million people in America are in the top ten percent of uh wealth worldwide far more than any other country in the world. If you have just $4,000, if you have just $4,000 to your name, you are still richer than 50% of the people in the world, or for that matter, the residents in the United States, $4,000. I got a feeling that, uh, you know, a lot of our children and grandchildren and young people, have uh, assets that would exceed $4,000. It's not a lot of money. You know, somebody might have that much equity just in their car. You know, so we could sort of conclude that, uh, you know, the United States is considered very wealthy and very rich by world standards. You know, if there are, uh, uh, you know, if 50% of our people in the country, uh, Make more than have more in assets of $4,000. We're talking about something in the neighborhood of 165 million Americans are considered rich by world standards. Now, what does that mean? I think it means that Jesus is warning us 165 million people in America that it's very difficult or a rich man to have eternal life in him. The question I think Jesus is posing to all of us, are we willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? You know, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus' command to follow me appears repeatedly. In many cases, Jesus was calling the 12 men who would become his disciples. But other times he was speaking to anyone who wanted what he had to offer. Matthew 10, 39 through 39, Jesus clearly stated what it means uh, to follow. He said this, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's uh, enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And, and, And whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Now, Jesus bringing a sword and turning family members against each other seems very harsh, doesn't it? But Jesus was really using a Jewish hyperbole to make a point that following him leads to very difficult decisions and difficult choices. Jesus is teaching what from the heartwarming beatitudes to the coming of the cross that caused many who had followed him to turn away. You know, even the disciples decided that following Jesus was too difficult or the crucifixion was unfolding. You know, even Peter denied, denied knowing Jesus three times. Jesus had told him that would happen. You know, the truth is, there's just no such thing as a halfway disciple. You're either all in, or you're all out. There's no halfway disciple. You know, the disciples have walked with uh, Jesus for three years, uh, you know, learning, observing, uh, and participating in his miracles. So over in John six sixty three, when it says. Uh, The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Jesus was sending the message that when he ascends to the father, he would send the Holy Spirit. To enable uh, them to follow him. In other words, Jesus is telling us that with the help of the Holy Spirit. Hear that? Jesus is telling us with the help of the Holy Spirit. A rich man can get through the eye of a needle, and you know when the when the uh, Holy Spirit descended upon those at uh, Pentecost, they all suddenly had the power they needed to follow Christ, even unto death, even unto death. So, as we begin to near the uh, end of this podcast let me just say this to you Uh, following jesus means striving to be like him it means making jesus the boss the boss of our lives every decision every dream should be filtered through his word with the goal of glorifying him in all our endeavors you know, we're not saved by the things we do for Christ, but by what he has done for us. And because of his grace, we should be striving to please him in every endeavor by having the Holy Spirit take total control over every area of our life. And you know, the scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit explains the scriptures empowers us with the spiritual gifts, comforts us, and guides us. So, in the end, following Christ means we live as if Jesus is walking beside us in person. That's why it's difficult for a rich man to get to it. Thank you for listening to this day, and may God bless you.